we want revival. We used to sing it. I want revival down in my soul. Anybody used to sing it like that? I need revival from head to toe. No. I need that first love. I need a touch from heaven's dove. I need revival down in my soul. No. How about there's going to be a revival in the land? You remember that one? No. Well, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. Maybe I should preach at Cherry Street today or something. I don't know. God bless America. Welcome, everybody. Glad you're here. I want to talk about revival. I do. And this is our series. This is part two. We struck a match on part one. And now we're going to strike another match, part two. If you'll get it over to me, Miss Sandy, I'll try to control this thing and see what happens. Um, I'm a clicking, but it ain't ticking. There we go. There we go. Thank you, sister. Part two. Part two. All right. Part two. There, we, there it is right there. Uh, revive us again. Revive us again. My prayer during this series is, Lord, revive us again. If you've been saved and you have been saved for uh, at least a minute or two, would you just shout to the Lord this morning? Amen. So if you've had the fire in your heart, inside of your spirit, would you shout glory this morning? Oh, yeah. So what happens is sometimes as we serve the Lord, we go on, and then uh, that fire kind of dies down, and we need to be revived. And the psalmist today is is talking to that. And I came to tell you, revival is possible. Amen? Revival is possible. It is dependent upon the on the hearts of believers in the church. It's not dependent upon the sinner in the street. Sinner on the street is dependent upon evangelism. They get saved. And I love it. It never gets old to me when a sinner comes in and their tear-stained eyes on the altar, they're crying and their and their lips are quivering and they're crying out to God, I need God. I mean, remember that day when you came to Jesus. I love that. That never gets old to me. But that's not revival. That that is that is vive, okay? It's not revive. To revive it means to be vived again. Vive is the word life, right? To, to live. To worship you, I live, right? That's why we live. We live to serve and look the Lord and worship the Lord. But to relive is revive, revival. That's what we're asking God for. And that's what we're going to look at today. Psalm 85, 1 through 9. I'm not going to preach long. But if you stay quiet, I might preach till 3 o'clock, 3 o'clock this afternoon. I've got this problem. The quieter you get, the longer I preach. There we go. Somebody woke up. Uh, hey, Psalm 85, 1 through 9. Lord, you've been favorable to your land. You have brought back the captivity of Jacob. You have forgiven the iniquity of your people. You've covered all their sin. Somebody say Selah. Selah means to pause and think about that. The Lord's gracious to his people. You have taken away all your wrath. Thank God. You have turned from the fierceness of your anger. Amen. I'm a clicking, but it ain't ticking. Uh, there we go. It's it's kind of uh, delaying today, huh? Restore us, O God, of our salvation. Cause your anger toward us to cease. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Let's see what happens. Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your mercy, Lord, and grant us your salvation. I will hear what God the Lord will speak. How many want to hear from the Lord today? I will hear what God, the Lord, will speak. For he will speak peace to his people and his saints. That sounds like a guarantee. I mean, when the Lord says he will, he will. He said, I will build my church. How many believe Jesus is going to do it? He said, I will pour out my spirit. How many believe he's going to do it in the last days? That's revival. He said, I will speak peace to uh, to my people and uh, to his saints, but let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in the land. It's important that we catch this today, the nature of revival. Re is to do it again, right? Right? It's to do it again, re. 
uh, and to vive is to live from the French word um, vive, right? Not viva, viva Las Vegas, not that. Live in Vegas, right? Uh, so so uh, it's also Latin, right? Pastor Pablo is Latin, vive. Uh, so, so long live the king. So revival is live again. And, and I, I'm not saying Oak Grove, we're dead. But some of us need a little bit of CPR. Come on, shout amen now. So there's, there's a heart that's pumping. You're alive. Maybe, you know, you know, you know, there needs to be some, some spirit blown in our spirit to, to revive us, rewake us. And so we're going to get into it. And God came down in history. He brought deep conviction of sin. He brought fresh forgiveness and mercy, fresh fire and holiness. How many know God has done this in times past? He even did it for Israel. We just read the text. And today I'm going to explain Psalm 85. The sons of Korah, the worship leaders in the temple, were talking about the days where God poured out his spirit and revival came to Israel. And you know, through our series with uh you know, with Gideon, they were up, and then one judge, and then they were down. Then God would send them a judge. They came back up, and revival happened in the land. Then back down, and, and back up, and back down, and back up, and back down. How many is getting dizzy? You think you're getting dizzy. You ought to see God, how dizzy God gets at the up and down of God's people. But that's what was happening, Acts 3.19. Therefore, in the New Testament, look at this. The Spirit is poured out, and he said, therefore, repent and turn back. Away from your foolishness so that your sins may be wiped out and so that seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. How many ready for that day where God comes back into our spirit, where the fresh wind blows into the church and starts to light up the little embers that are left on the fire? We just breathe on that. And fire hasn't gone out. It's just it's just kind of dwindled a little bit. And all it takes is one breath from Almighty God. How many know it doesn't take but one spark to start a revival? It can happen in our church. It can happen in your home. It can happen in the youth group, pastor. It can happen in children. It can happen in the seniors. It can happen anywhere. I just want it to happen. Amen? So the nature of revival is not about God moving. God doesn't need to do anything. I mean, oh, God did everything already. So when we talk about revival, some people think of different things and say, well, God needs to come. It's a move of the Spirit. It's a move of the Spirit. And he quickens that which is dead. That's evangelism. Revival is he quickens that which is barely alive, the church. So revival comes to the church. How many know there's no hope for evangelism of the world if the church don't get revived? How many things we need revival in the churches of America? So revived, it means he has given us life, but we're acting like we're dead. So when he gives life, we have to breathe, we have to walk, we have to live. It means to be made alive again. Lazarus was dead, but God brought him back to life. I said, God brought the one who was stinking back to life. Four days he was dead. But God spoke, Lazarus, come forth. How many believe God's ready to call the church back? Come forth, O Grove Assembly of God. And here comes Lazarus. He just, he's just hopping up and down. He's all bound up with clothes, you know, and garments and stuff. And then somebody has to unloose that man. And t- How many know it's time to unleash the church? It's time for us to come back to God. It's time for us to hit the altars and hit the word, hit our knees in prayer, call on the Lord, revive us again, oh God, like you did in times past. That's what's happening here. And Lazarus was untied, and then he couldn't just sit there. He had to breathe. I mean, anything that lives must breathe. Everything that hath breath must praise the Lord. Amen. If life has come to you, you have a few responsibilities. You can't just lay there. And there are many in the church are just laying there waiting for Jesus to come. How I many know we got a lot of work to do? We got a lot of living to do. The church needs to be revived. The church needs to be moving. And, and things need to be happening. It's not a series of meetings where people get saved. That happens at meetings, yes. But it's different. Unbelievers coming to Christ is evangelism. And we have become in the church unmoved heard it so much pastor i'm just not moved i mean fact brother ron you're lucky i even got here today can i tell you honey i'm not lucky you got here you lucky you got here 
I mean, it's up to you whether you serve the Lord or not. Amen? I'm going to preach whether there's one in this house or 100,000 in this house. I'm going to preach God's word. That means revival is very personal. You have as much of God as you want today. How many want a little bit more of God? God, stir us up. Revive us, O Lord. It's different. So God's history, even church history, we see God coming in with his spirit and bringing deep conviction of sin, of fresh forgiveness and all that we just talked about, fresh fire, a fresh desire of the word and Holy Spirit. So we can see his glory made manifest so that he can be made manifest so we can experience God personally and as a church. So it's not in falling down or running around, but in holy commitment and responsibility. Some people look at revival back in the day, and if people are not shaking and snorting and running, we're not having revival. How many know, how many know revival is, is greater than your manifestations physically? It's a deep, deep conviction and a personal desire to have the Word and have the Holy Spirit and have the mission of God and have the presence of God. That's revival. How many want more of that? I think we had more of that in our church as we would be on fire. So... Paul said in him, we move, we live, got to catch it. So if we're not careful, we can catch the sin of familiarity. You know, we're so familiar with it. As Pentecostals, we're familiar with revival. We've had revival. We already had revival. That's a day gone by. Well, these guys beg to differ. The sons of Korah are saying, no, I know what you did for Israel, how you forgave them, all of that. You look at it. You can see. He's saying everything you did was past tense. It's important that you catch this. Very important that you catch this. And, and I don't know. I need to put a new battery in this booger, I believe. But uh, its it, its emphasis is on us. Revive us again. This is not for our neighbor. This is not for the church down the road. I mean, Oak Grove needs to take this sermon seriously, personally. This is for us. If we're going to have revival, we're going to have to change. Can't expect to say the same and have different results. That's insanity. Somebody's going to have to worship the Lord. Somebody's going to have to dig into the word. Somebody's going to have to get deep conviction and get back to the altar and get quit messing with sin. That's how revival comes, repentance, right? So that times of refreshing can come from the presence of the Lord. We need God. That's what we need. And so, got to keep moving, got to live again. It's a renewing of the work of the Spirit. And, and it challenges people to change, to follow God, right? It's the presence of the Lord. Revival comes to renew people and return them to his original purpose. I remember Brother uh, brother um, Webb and the church's uh, m- motto when I first got here was, uh, it takes a remnant, wasn't that it? It started with a remnant. It started with a remnant. And uh, and and so a remnant we think is a small portion. How many know a remnant is not a small portion? That's not what remnant means. A remnant means a piece of the original. It's a piece of the original. If you got a remnant carpet, it's a whole roll of carpet. But I took a piece of it off, and it's a part of that original roll. But it's a remnant. How many know we need to be a part of what God did in the beginning? In the book of Acts, we are a remnant. We are a part of the original, and we are still the Pentecostal church 2,000-something years later. We're the remnant. It started with a few, but it started with the original piece, right? It doesn't take many. Because, listen, there's big churches can have revival. Small churches can have revival, right? It doesn't matter how big you are, how small you are. I've seen some small churches are dead. I've seen some big churches that are dead. But we have to get a hold of the original and be more like that church, right? And so it's important that we catch this because uh, God wants us to be part of the original, the original purpose, the original presence of God. Listen, there's only one thing that remains, and that is the Lord. Amen? And his power. And so our churches are filled with people, uh, but the altars are empty. Who cares if you got got 100,000 in your church and then nobody going to the altar? That's dead. It looks alive. That's like the church in Sardis, I believe, in the Revelation. You have a reputation of being alive, but they're dead. And we don't want that, do we? And so it, it, this this Psalm 85, it helps us a lot. And I hope to preach it because some of you look like it's still cold outside and you ain't moving much. If we're going to be encouraged by this psalm, we have to look back at revival of the past. Lord, you showed your favor. 
to the land. You showed Israel favor. You forgave them. You redeemed them. Look at it. You restored them. You took away their sin. You covered them. You withdrew your anger from them. You turned away your wrath from them. And these guys are singing in the temple. And they're saying, God, we want that. We want that. We need the revival fire to burn like it did before. If you forgave Israel, certainly you can forgive us. If you did that for them, you can do that for us. Revive us again, O Lord. That's what he's saying. And he says, Selah, think about that. Just pause for a minute. If Ron Moran can be saved, delivered, restored, take my sins away, cover me, withdrew his anger from me. How many glad for what Jesus did for us? If he did that, he can do it again. Amen. Now, these are saved people. We're talking about the people of God. We're talking about the church. We're talking about Israel. We're not talking about heathen. See, I think we're living in a day where everybody thinks that uh, once you get saved, that's it. You don't have to repent anymore. How many know that's a lie? That's a major lie. How many of you made an altar since you got saved? I hope you have. I hope you have. Because, listen, sometimes the world will get on you. You smell like the world because you've been in the world. And sometimes they'll attach themselves to you. And you can get into some bad habits real quick. You can get a hold of some things that need to be shaken off of you. Amen? Amen. So we gotta, we got to ask the Lord to help us. All these are past tense. You withdrew your fury. You turned away from your burning anger. He's saying, remember his love and mercy. Look at the verbs. They're past tense. That's what he did. Think about it. And he goes on to say, you can do it for us. When we look at our current spiritual condition in America, we must look back and pray, God, if you did it for them, how many believe God can send a revival to America? Very weak. How many believe God can send revival to America? And it has to be together. You can't have spectators. I'll tell you, we'll never see revival. Listen to me clearly. If one or two people have to hop around just to get you to look at them, it's got to be a whole corporate thing. All of Israel needed to be redeemed. And all of Israel needed to be revived. You remember in Israel, whenever uh, they only had two, Joshua and Caleb went in to spy the land. There were ten altogether. Two, uh, Joshua and Caleb went in, came out with a positive report. Ten came out with a negative report. Only two made it in. So if God has to, he can take the two heaven revival and let them go into the promise. And the other ten can just go on about their way. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? So I can't force nothing to you. Revival can't be manipulated. It can't be duplicated. It can't be legislated. Revival has to be prayed down and desired. And so it's important to catch this because when you look at this psalm, many churches have, have uh, just gotten so, uh, I don't know, become spectators and not worshipers. They don't really came. They came to fulfill the checklist, check it off the list. I made it. I made it. You lucky I got here. You lucky I pay tithe. You lucky if you wouldn't have me, you wouldn't have nothing. How I many know oh, that is a lie? As long as I've got Jesus, I've got everything I need. Now, Oak Grove is happy to have you. But we as a body need to humble ourselves and pray. And seek God's face and turn from our wicked ways. Then will we hear from heaven. Then will he forgive our sins. And then we will see revival in America. Not until then. So we're seeing pockets of revival all over the world. God's moving just like he did to Israel. Right? So he's saying, Lord, do that for us. Our key is this. Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice? You know, Satan comes in trying to take the fire out of the church. Right? Trying to make the church less powerful because he's, he's uh, taking the Holy Spirit right out. We're allowing the enemy just to take the Holy Spirit right out of the church. Debating on whether you should speak in tongues. How many know you don't have to speak in tongues? You get to! It's not up for discussion. Some people, I just don't know. Can you be spirit-filled and not speak in tongues? What a crazy question. You ought to be saying, thank God I get to preach and sing and pray in a heavenly language. And I have a connection to God that Satan can't connect with. That's the benefits. But we're, we're, we're debating doctrine and dying on the pew. And there are churches and very smart people, theologians, debating whether you have to speak in tongues to have the Holy Spirit. So we all know you get the Holy Spirit at salvation, don't we? 
How many know there's a subsequent, oh, blessing. I need somebody to help me here. There is a, a blessing, a, an experience after salvation called the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we still believe it. We still believe it. That's what's got the assemblies of God this far. Had we not had the Holy Spirit, we might be just in the same way as some of the other mainline fellowships that are just nothing but uh, temples with dead people. I wish somebody helped me preach today, but I'm just going to preach it anyway. Lord, send us revival. May your people catch it. We can have revival in America. The question isn't, is God finished with America? It's more like, is America finished with God? That's the question. Because God's always ready to pour out his spirit. Remember? He said, I will pour it out. It's going to happen. The question is not whether it's going to happen. The question is whether we're going to be a part of that or not. Amen? The next generation needs to know this. So if you want life, you have to go where life is. We've got to get to Jesus. I said, we have to get to Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to Father except by him. Right? If you want a pineapple whip, you've got to go to pineapple whip. You're not going to get pineapple whip at Andy's? Come on, somebody. Help me out here. You gotta go to Pineapple Whip to get a Pineapple Whip. That's the only place in the land, in the whole wide world. And if you want life, how many know you gotta go to Jesus? You gotta get to Jesus. And if you want power, you gotta get to the Holy Ghost. You gotta get the Spirit of God inside of you until you are revived. Breath is breathed in you. Inspiration is breathed into you. And now you're no longer just a body, a part of an army, but you have life. And more abundantly. So, revival produces life and life gives revelation. So we're quickened. The Holy Spirit quickens our mortal body. We're not just a physical body. I mean, we're a spiritual person. So he quickens us. We come alive. Quicken means to come alive. Right? He quickens us. Our eyes begin to see the word like we've never seen it. Our heart begins to understand. Our mind begins to comprehend that Jesus came to give us life. All the way to the end. So when you, when you get life, then you have to deal with responsibility. Revelation comes with responsibility. So life reproduces life. If we don't reproduce anybody, we're just sitting here until we die. And there's a whole generation that's not going to catch the spiritual revival. A whole generation. A whole generation didn't go into the land of promise. A whole generation. Because ten spies said that the giants are bigger than the grapes. I mean, I'm here to tell you that the grapes are bigger than the giants. It's a reverse mindset. My God is bigger than any devil out there. I, I mean, I know the world is dark. I know they're depraved. I know they're ungodly and half insane. But how I many know our God is bigger than this world? And he can breathe one breath and a fire can start in this nation. He's done it in the past. And how many believe he can do it again? Revive us, O oh God. To revive means I have to change from death to life. Living people live. They work. They move. They breathe. Right? And, and in the text, the point is that, uh, that he said, don't turn away. Verse 8, don't turn away to folly, a state of, of being foolish. That's what folly is. Kind of a King James word for foolishness. Israel, don't turn away to foolishness. How I many know there's a lot of assemblies of God churches have put away the Pentecostal revival fire for foolishness? We'd rather have our comforts than our conviction. Right? We'd rather, we'd rather not be offended by the word of God and have people come please. How many ever invited somebody to a Pentecostal service and they were non-Pentecostal and you were praying, Lord, don't let the manifestations of the Spirit hit Sister McGillicuddy? I remember that, Rick. I remember that. Oh, Mama Jet's going to start praying in the spirit and the bobby pins are going to start flying and she's going to go dancing. And my friend's going to say, I don't want none of the part of this stuff. But how many know what happened was absolutely the opposite. The power of God came into the house and the spirit of God began to move. And Sister Jet began to pray and move. And all of a sudden they said, this is real. It's real, it's real, I know it's real. That Pentecostal message, I know, I know it's real. Instead of being turned off, how many know the lost are turned on to the Spirit of God? 
They said, I needed this. I wanted this. I've been looking for this. This is something greater I can, than I can find in a bar room. We're drinking new wine in here. So the revive, it means, it means uh, don't turn back to folly. Or another definition for folly is the lack of good sense. How many know America has lost a lack of good sense? Boy, I tell you, just a plain old common sense. Common sense. I mean, hey, the bridge is out. Don't go that way. And there they go. Pastor, help me. Help me. Didn't I try to help you? And you went off the bridge. Why? Because you didn't listen. You don't have common sense. God gave you. I mean, you don't have some things you just don't even need discernment of the Holy Spirit. Some things are just plain. This will preach in a real church. Revival is renewing my revelation, my relationship with God. It's effective, but it's also elusive. So it can slip away from us. Israel was up and down. At one time, they had the freshness of God's presence. They had the power of God. They had the realness of the power of God, right? They had the revelation of God and everything. It had everything. It had everything, but it reminds me of David. I mean, oh, David knew what it was like to have the power of God. He brought the ark back. I mean, oh, he knew it was important to have the presence of God in Jerusalem. He took some flack, but he got the ark back. And then one day, remember, and, uh, if you look at, uh, at the, uh, the word of God, it talks about David's failures. He made some mistakes. Yes, he did. How many know we all have? Only two of us? How many know all of us have come short of the glory of God? All of us have made a failure and a mistake or two here and there. And David, instead of being off to war, chapter 11, uh, you'll know the story. He was on the rooftop, and uh, he gazed a little too long at the uh, bathing beauty. Instead of being at war, how many know this thing is a war? This is warfare. This is no picnic. If you're going to have the fire of God, how many know you're going to have to pay the price? More like pray the price and sacrifice and go off to war with the rest of the army instead of sitting back on the, on the rooftop just taking it easy. David did it. David did it. And he was at the wrong place at the wrong time. He should have been in the right place at the right time. Don't make me sing the song. I was in the right place. <laughs> All right. So David... Some of you don't even know that song. Thank God you've been saved all your life. I'm proud of you. Earth, wind, and fire. Somebody, I don't know who. But he stayed too long on the, mount, on the, on the rooftop, and he watched, and he watched Beth, Bathsheba. Bathsheba, that's where she got her name. Bathsheba. Read your Bible. That was just a joke. Y'all are just hardcore today. I'm going to tell you, I'm gonna, where's my towel? I'm about to start sweating up here. He lingered too long in the wrong place. I mean, oh, there's a place for revival. To me, it's on your knees in the altars, in the altars. And we're removing our altars. We're removing the word of God. We're removing the cross. We're removing the, we're removing the word of God, having little TED Talks to God's people, trying to little tickle their ears and, and whisper nothing in them. Shallow churches are not having a revival because they, they're, 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 they're um, selling their people out, basically. How many are glad we're going to get you the truth today? We're going to come down to the truth. If you like it, eat it. If you don't like it, I don't know, lump it. That's an old one. But here's the deal. He stayed too long, and then he took her. How arrogant is that? He took her. He took what he, he knew didn't belong to him. Her husband was off to war. She had her to come. One time. I mean, a one time is all it takes. She prepared herself and went in. When she went home, she was pregnant. Now David's in more mess than he started with. I mean, no sin will mess you up. Just a little bitty, just a pause, just a little pause in the wrong place with the wrong people, seeing the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing just once. Now he's got to kill her husband. So he sends to Joab. Joab, take uh, Uriah, tell him, come on in here. What he really wanted to do, how kind of David, he wanted her to, he wanted him to come and lay with Bathsheba so that when she's pregnant, he can say that that's your son, that's your daughter, whatever. But uh, the man was so honorable. How many know there are still 7,000 who have not bowed their knee to Baal? 
And Uriah, he said, no, 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 David. I'm going to sleep outside the porch. It's not right for me to go in and lay with my wife whenever all the others, Joab and all the other army. I mean, no, he's doing what David should have did or done. David said, no, it's okay, it's okay. I want you to do that. I got a plan, I got a plan. I know David is a sneaker, a stinker. But how many know God still loves stinkers? Somebody ought to shout about that. It's about to get good in here. I said grace is coming to all the stinkers. Think about it. He didn't do it. Refused to do it. He said, I'm going back to war. Because I know I can keep my focus and serve the king and serve the kingdom. I'll sacrifice being with my wife so I can honor the king. So David had to call Joab back and say, hey, on the cell phone. Hey, Joab, my little plan didn't work. Would you put him in the front line? And they shot arrows off the wall, killed a bunch of soldiers. Somebody's dying on account of your sin. You sin, they die. There's a whole generation going to die without revival because the complacency and the arrogance and the sin of a generation before them. So he has him killed, takes her. Now he's the hero. She's a widow. I'll take care of you. But it all started with sin. How many know your sin will make you pay a price? They have that little baby. Oh, my goodness. We don't have time to preach this, but you know the story. The baby ends up dying. God will, God will not let us have our way. We need the presence of God. So we look back, right? And we're singing for joy for Israel and Yahweh made up. Exile was over. Deliverance has come. It's a new day. And we look at Ezra and Nehemiah, right? And we learn that that the people no more than returned before they became discouraged and lost their hope and faith again. What's going on now? The walls are broken down. Sin has caused the walls to be broken down, right? Captivity for 70 years. Life wasn't easy, but because you're out of, uh, of captivity doesn't mean your your life is going to be easy. I mean, no, just because God took you out of Egypt, you still got to get Egypt out of you. I said, just because he got you out of Babylon, now he's got to get Babylon out of you. That's serious. We don't preach like that anymore, but you just heard it. Somebody needs to shout amen, pastor. Preach it, brother. It's a deal. It takes some time. They got discouraged. You know the story. We have to be responsible. We have to be cleaned up. We have to build the wall. We have to renew worship. But they soon forgot God again. The culture went south again. It's a constant vicious cycle. The next section, they looked at their present situation. They said, Lord, help us. Help us. If you did it for them, revive us again, O Lord. If I was God, I'd give up. But I'm not God. Aren't you glad? So they had to take a look at the closer uh, to the present. And we see a desperate cry, verses 4 through 7, a very big cry. Revive us again, O Lord. Restore us back to what we once were, the remnant. Restore us back to a part of the original. It's a prayer for a desperate move of God, a prayer for restoration, for forgiveness, for mercy. God, if you did that for Israel, do that for us. I'm praying for you today. If you're here and you're half backslidden, you're half-hearted, you're in and you're out, you're not up, you're down, you're, not, you're nowhere. You know, you're not anywhere. You're just kind of neutral. I mean, no, there's no neutrality in the kingdom of God. You're either moving forward or you're moving back. I said, we're going up to heaven. So you're either moving forward or you're moving back. There is no, there is no place for you to be neutral. So that's, so that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> you got to prepare yourself for revival. Verse 8, 9, it requires waiting in the presence of the Lord. He says, I will listen. I'm going to stop right here and I'm going to listen to the voice of God. I'm listening for your voice, God. We need revival. Remember Habakkuk said, I will stop and perch myself on the watch, and I'm going to pray, Lord, and and I want to hear what you're doing. How long, oh God, will we stand between the two in the valley of indecision? How long will you be patient with your people? He said, I'm going to stand here and watch. And God gave Habakkuk a vision, said, hey, Write your vision down and run with it. 
right? So they can read it, run with it, write it down, get it in your spirit. We need revival. We need God to do it again, right? He's looking back. And now he's looking, he's looking at the present situation. And, it's, and he's crying out, Lord, return to us, God of our salvation. Abandon your displeasure with us. Will you be angry forever with us? Will you prolong your anger for all generations? Will you not revive us again so that, so that, somebody say so that, so that your people may rejoice in you. God's people were down, depressed, discouraged, without hope, losing their faith. Idols. Every time you turn around, they're going to idols. But there's always somebody. I said there's always a remnant, right? Show us your faithful love, Lord. Give us your salvation. Uh, like, Like you did for them. We need it. So the past was great, but our culture needs it again. Amen. How many thinks our culture in America needs it? We need you today, Lord. Israel's saying uh, uh, sin destroyed us, uh, destroyed our nation, destroyed our culture, destroyed our temple, destroyed our home, destroyed our walls are down, Lord. We are unprotected. We have no hope. We need a revival, and God gave them one. So now the sons of Korah are singing in the sanctuary. This is actually a song. We're on the second stanza here, third now. God is helping us. People have no respect for God. We need change. Do we not live in that culture right now? I said, how many know our country, our, our culture right now is similar to what they're dealing with? Broken down walls, no respect for God. We see our culture changing. There's less respect for God, for his house, for his time, for his purpose, for his priorities, for his presence. And as a result, we need God. We need God to send revival. Amen. So the psalmist is asking, will you be angry? Will you not revive us again? We need to change. We can talk about the glory of the past, but how many know we need God right now? We need the Lord right now. I'm thankful for what he did at Pentecost. I'm thankful for what he did in the Welsh Revival. I'm thankful for what he did in the First Great Awakening, the Second Great Awakening. I said it's time for a Third Great Awakening. Lord, do it again. What we need to do is ask God for help to change us so we can deal with the present. It's a prayer of revival and desperation and restoration to revive us, to restore us back to the original, what we once were her. And it takes patience. It requires patience. We must wait. I will listen to what God will say. Surely the Lord will declare peace to his people. I mean, we could use peace in America. I mean, the violence on the streets, the wickedness, the evil, the upheaval. It's just hatred and violence and wickedness. No love in the land. No word of God in the land. They're taking it out of school, taking it out of, uh, of the Constitution, ripping the Constitution from its original context, which is a Judeo-Christian background. We're going to reinvent the church, reinvent the family, reinvent the Constitution, reinvent a nation. A nation without God. That's where we're heading if we don't see a revival. Is anybody hearing me? And he won't let him go back to foolish ways. His salvation is very near to those who fear him. So, so that glory may dwell in the Lamb. So if you want to be renewed, you got to wait in his presence. If you want to be revived, you got to be renewed to his purpose and reflect on his goodness. The peace of God has to come into your life, right? He has perfect peace whose mind is stayed on the Lord, Isaiah said. And so no uh, waiting doesn't mean we do nothing. While we wait, we got to work. I said while we're waiting, we got to be working. We got to be praying. If my people. You want to prepare for revival? If my people it's conditional would humble themselves so pride is the enemy of revival you got to humble yourself you can't say i'm better than them i'm too good for that i'm not going down there and raise my hands i'm just i don't have to i don't do what i want to do i worship my way you worship your way and all the while you're fighting about ways to worship you're missing the whole point i don't sing those songs i sing these songs if you'd sing my songs i'll praise him but if you sing their songs i'm not praising god to that song i don't even know that song i don't even want to know that song Why don't you grow up, little baby? It's not about your song or my song. It's about his song. It's not my church or your church. It's his church. Is everybody getting this? All the while fighting over the little baby stuff. Immaturity is the enemy to revival. Pride, arrogance, stubbornness. I think I'm going to send this message to some church that really like to hear it. We got to prepare for revival. Until God does what he's going to do, we have to do what he's instructed us to do. 
live his word, lead people to him. He's coming. How many know he's coming and we have work to do? We have to wait. We have to work. We have to witness. And we have to never give up hope. Our God is going to send revival. Does anybody still believe that? And then finally, Psalm 85 shows us God's work. God shows up. Well, I want you to see this in verse 10 through 13. It says that, that, that righteousness and truth have kissed on the cross. How many know Jesus made the difference? Truth has kissed. Righteousness and truth have kissed. Favor comes to God's people through Jesus Christ. That's revival. God showed up and joined us together. Now an eternal God, an eternal good God, have met with an earthly wicked man, and they have come together. How many know God gave us Jesus, and that is our peace. He's broken down that wall of separation. Is anybody glad Jesus came? That's God's work. Jesus' work on the cross is our provision, not only for salvation, but for healing. The Holy Spirit has come to give us power to live right, to move, to operate in the Spirit, to move and to win people to God and to reproduce ourselves because life reproduces life. Death reproduces death. A death culture creates a death culture. A living culture creates a living culture. Is anybody getting this? Oh, we did yet. If we're going to die, we ought to die to ourselves. Something's going to die, folks. You either die to ourselves and live for Christ, or we die because we didn't live for Christ. The second death is a second death. It's without God at all. So God's work, faithful love and truth joined together, righteousness and peace will embrace. This song ends with God showing up. Heaven and earth meet. Mercy and truth kiss. Jesus and his work on the cross provides a way back to God. And we enjoy the results of revival. People can start living right. If revival breaks out today, how many people can start living right? Is there anybody here appreciate a clear conscience? Well, you lay down on the bed at night, just go to sleep. You didn't do anything to deserve anything, but you're glad that Jesus washed your sins away. Is anybody here glad that your sins have been washed away? Think about that, Selah. Pause a moment. Realize he washed my sins away. And now I'm singing as the days go by. Amen. I'm living. I'm living, not only living, I'm living right. Am I perfect? No, but I'm living right. Are you hearing me? Right living. Get back on track with God. See your sin. Confess your sin. Go ahead. Revival means realizing the conviction of the Holy Spirit, not the condemnation from a devil who's trying to beat you up with guilt, but righteous conviction that says, hey, you're on the wrong track. Come on back this way. I was explaining to somebody this week, and I, I, I just thought this was a great illustration. Therefore, I'm going to give it to you. Have you ever been to Disney World and rode those old-timey cars? When I was a kid, we rode those old-timey cars. It's like jalopy cars. And you're really not driving it. It has a steering wheel, and it has, like, one pedal. It is both the accelerator and the brake. When you push it, you move. When you let it go, you stop. Remember that? Funnest ride ever. I'm sorry for all of y'all. Y'all have been deprived. Anyway, there's a rail in the middle of it. So there's a the lane, and there's a rail, a metal rail right in the middle of it. And so kids think that they're driving. It's like, uh, but reality is that when the hill, the, when the wheel hits the rail, it just goes back. So you're like, mm, mm, mm. and the kids like, I got this mama five years old. They can't drive. They can't drive. I kind of liken this thing to that. How many glad God, the Holy Ghost has got a hold of the wheel. Don't make me sing Carrie Underwood. But how many know he's guiding you? He's guiding you. He's going to help you. But you got to repent. You got to come back to God. He's got this. You're never going to measure up. He's your righteousness. I said, He's the rightness about you. It's nothing to do with me and you. So confess and follow Jesus. And then church is unified. Mercy and truth has touched us, and we're dancing like a couple. Have you ever seen a couple dance? I know my mom and dad danced. Uh, they danced uh, to uh, French music. Oh, my goodness. It is quite the art. Max, I can't jitterbug. But to watch mom and dad jitterbug, it's a wonder they didn't kill each other. 
But my little short fat mama, she stayed right with daddy. I mean, how about the uh, tango? Anybody ever see the tango? Y'all not going to make me dance right up in front of everybody. The tango is an Argentine dance. It's it's created in Argentina. And uh, the partners are dancing there heart to heart, heart to heart throughout the whole dance. Throughout the whole dance. They never separate their hearts. Dun, 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 dun. Y'all Google it. Y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. When the church is unified, you know what unified the church in the book of Acts? The Holy Ghost. It made everybody love everybody. Man, the Jews love the Gentiles. The Gentiles love the Jews. What? I mean, it went out fast, but they had to get revived. Unified. And when we live right, we do God's will by sharing truth to lost souls. We give, God gives us increase in the land. More people come, more people covenant to God and commit to God. More families are restored and a great increase in God's favor. That's what happens when the church gets unified because we're revived. And then God provides in verse 12, provides what is good. Our land will yield its crops, reproduce. Revival is reproduction. God will provide a way even in the desert. God can provide a way. Amen. He leads us forward in our, gen- in our journey in verse 13. Revive means to make alive or resurrect. It implies that his people were once alive, have died in a spiritual sense, and now we need breath and resurrection, resuscitation. So I'm not sure where you are today, but revival doesn't start in the world. It starts in the church. Chrissy, if you and Taylor and your team will come, uh, revive us, O Lord, so we can worship you. Breathe life back into us. Light a fire at Oak Grove Assembly. If you're at home, we're praying for God to light a fire in you. Paul told Timothy, hey, young man, stir up the gift of God that is in you. Stir up the fire. Breathe on the ashes. Still some fire in it. Fire. Brother Pablo, fuego. Amen. Mas fuego. God, bring the fire. I'm looking forward to uh, laying hands on Brother Pablo. He's... uh, He's getting ordained at district council. Would somebody give God praise for him and others that are getting licensed and ordained? We're glad you. He's been a part of Oak Grove long before I got here. We love you and your family. Revive us, O Lord. We want a fresh display of your covenantal love. God, would you love us at Oak Grove like you loved Israel? And as bad as it was for them, you always forgave them. Your mercy is never ending. I mean, thankful for the love and grace of Almighty God. This wasn't meant to condemn. Revival will affect you. It'll affect your speech. It, it, it'll affect what it entertains you. It'll affect what you spend your money on, what you sing about, what you listen to, your passions, what you're interested in. It'll get you. We need revival. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. I told you how David messed up, but I didn't tell you how he restored. Psalm 51. David, how many know he knew how to mess up, but he also knew how to come back to God? Would y'all stand with me today? I'll tell you what David did. He came before God. Thank God for Nathan the prophet. How many know we need some people preaching the truth? Nathan the prophet got a hold of the man of God, King David, said, You are the man. And David went before God and said, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Father, forgive me. And he said, Renew a right spirit within me and he said renew a right spirit within me and he said revive me again oh god send a revival to my spirit and and then he said take not your holy spirit from me father you can have my position you can have the kingdom you can have the palace you can have everything i own but don't take your holy spirit from me Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? The greatest commodity at Old Grove Assembly, besides its people, it's the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. You know what makes us who we are for 75 years? It's the precious power of the Holy Spirit. These altars have seen God's people who are saved, revived again. God, give us a fresh altar experience. Give us a fresh touch of God. 
We need it. Why have we had no revivals, Pastor? Why have we not had revival? Why are we experiencing such a drought spiritually? Well, it's because we want to be stirred but not changed. We want church without character. We want benefits without, you know, sacrifice. We refuse. We get greedy. We don't give. We don't sacrifice. We want to shout, not be personally involved. Spectators, not partakers. We want sound doctrine preached, but we don't want to live it. We want pastor to preach it, pastor, but we don't want to live it. We want to be told like it is, but live like it's not. We believe in being separate from the world, but we live just like the world. Can I have this? And can I have that? Can I have this? And can I look like that? Can Listen, the church looks more like the world than they ever have. We want shout about the sermon, but never take the challenge. We don't tithe. We don't give offering. We don't pray. We don't worship. We don't grow. This is serious. I might get saved today. There's a possible, it is possible for us to have revival. Got to remove the obstacles of pride, prayerlessness. Prayerlessness is the first cousin to pride. If my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn, get down to the altar and repent. How many glad that the blood washes everything clean? It's not judgmental, it's just common sense. If you're smelling like a pig, get out of here and get clean. It's available. I mean, though, the grace of God is free, just like salvation. Get the guilt off. Get the shame off. Get the sin out. Priorities have to change. Seek his face. It doesn't come to those who seek revival. Revival comes to those who seek after God. Some people are looking after revival. We don't want revival for the sake of having a revival. We want God. It's what we want. Right? So what do you spend your time on, your money on, your thoughts on? If we're going to do it, we might as well enjoy the the results of revival. And at the end of this, salvation came, peace came, glory came, harmony came, increase came, provision came. Could you lift your hand to the Lord right now to say, revive us again, O Lord. May Oak Grove Assembly of God see the results of revival in the land today. God, send a revival. God, send a revival. What we're asking you, Lord, is would you be favorable? Would you favor us today? Would you forgive us today? Would you help us to be your friend again instead of always flirting on you and, and committing adultery on you and, and dating dating you by while we're living with the world? Cohabitating. Forgive us, O oh Lord. Forgive us, O oh Lord. Repent. Get ourselves away from foolishness so times of refreshing, so that times of refreshing can come from the presence of the Lord. Where does revival come from? It comes from the presence of the Lord. So we're going to worship the Lord. We're going to give you an opportunity.